0: without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Yeah, we, no, we, we all know better. Oh, yes, oh,
1: yes, yes. So, so yes, yes, the, yes,
2: everybody wants another round? Okay, yeah, bring us. Hello. The... Yeah, hello. <laughs> hello. Oh my goodness, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to the No More Leadership BS podcast. I'm in the hot seat this week. Jeff Geyer from Phoenix Coaching. And no, no, this round's supposed to go on Conroy's check. Okay, yeah. Okay, they got it. Hey. Right. <laughs> last one was on my check. Um, this week, we're going to talk about something that, that maybe even is a little close to to what's going on in the world today. That, that is that sometimes we have to speak truth to power. That sometimes the flip side of that is sometimes you might just have to deal with the BS and therefore just deal with it. But other times, and it seems like society today, everybody is standing up under this banner of speaking truth to power. So we thought we'd tackle that, that question during this episode. Today with me, we got Dr. Sam
3: Jennings. Sammy, say hi to the folks. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And I hope we will have some thoughts, ideas that will spark some more thoughts in your minds and help you be better leaders as you move along in your day.
0: There There we go. go. Sounds like NPR radio. I
2: know, right? He's (laughs) well, he's on loan from NPR. (laughs) we got, I learned something about Myra Hall in the green room. She's a singer. Myra can oh, sing. bust. No, I'm not going to ask you to bust out a tune. <laughs> Thank Myra, you. how you Thank doing you.
4: today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing. I sing only in a group for protection. That's
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. I only sing in a group, but yes, Shorts I the
1: Jets kind
3: of thing going on here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and my good buddy Geoff Jeff McLaughlin. I'm told you sing a little bit too, my
1: friend. I have been known to to carry a tune in a bucket. A large bucket, but still a bucket.
2: Very <laughs> large bucket. And Sonroy, I learned about Mr. Conroy, my good buddy, Jeff Conroy, from a, a mother of a different brother and mother. I don't know what we are, but he can't sing unless he's been drinking in the karaoke screen. The monitor
0: is really big so he can see the words. Fun fact, my undergrad degree is in music education. <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, there's that, the guy for there Who's we go. Yes, if you can't teach those who can't well, do teach, got it. That makes that's sense. right. Those yeah, who
0: that's...
1: can <laughs> go into coaching, Going to coaching. Those who can't t- teach <laughs> PE right, oh, yeah. and those who can't teach PE become administrators.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, we're equal opportunity. We're just making everybody feel bad today. So hey, let's get into the, let's get into this topic about speaking truth to power. And uh, like I said, the definition is speaking truth to power implies that so there's some kind of moral imperative to stand up for what's right. And the definition is this power is an expression for courageously confronting authority, calling out some kind of injustice or something that happened on their walk and further demanding that something changes. And you see that all, all across the nightly news. People have placards and they're chanting bullhorns and we're just trying to speak truth to power. And so I, I got, it got me to thinking, wh- where did that all start? And it actually started with a guy named Bayard Rustin in 1942. Bayard was a Quaker and a leader in the civil rights movement back then. And he stated this quote, that the primary social function of a religious society is to speak the truth to power. And in this case, that truth is that war is wrong. Now, this is 1942, okay? And then later in in 1955, he wrote, um, a little text called Speak the Truth to Power, a Quaker search for an alternative to violence. And obviously they were looking for, instead of if you don't like what the power is saying, you just shoot them, he was looking for some kind of nonviolent way to do it. And so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, this is a leadership podcast. So we're the leaders, we're not the line employees. And so we're trying to create an environment where the employees feel safe um, to speak truth to power, right? We certainly don't want violence. And so one of, I think, the foremost authorities on some of this stuff is our good buddy, Simon Sinek. And one of the things he says about it is, if you work in an environment and you're the leader, so you're the responsible for this environment, where speaking the truth to power can get you fired or at least get you in trouble, one of the reasons that happens is, it is it's not necessarily because speaking the truth to power isn't the right thing, right? That that you're speaking the truth. It's the truth and it needs to be done. It's the manner in in the way that we do it. So as leaders, how do we create the environment where people can speak truth because we're the power and do it in a way that's not complaining or isn't aggressive and those kind of things. And so I'm hoping that we all have examples as leaders where people spoke to us as the power and maybe we didn't take it the way we should have, or maybe we did. And how did you create that environment? And my guess, because of your experience, Conroy, you've got a couple of stories in this room. No, don't. no, got nothing. <laughs> okay. okay, nope. Yeah, no, yeah. Myra's
1: <laughs> <out of> a, <laughs> next
0: question. Side of her forty-five. <laughs> yeah, here we go. yeah. When you're the leader, you're seen as unapproachable. People are afraid of you. I've been told. You know, my office is the Crystal Palace. You have that position of quote-unquote authority. What I've always done is I wanted to to not only say I had an open door policy, but I've been known to take my door off the hinges just to drive that point home. It's about trust. It's about getting to know your team around you so they feel comfortable enough that they can come talk to you. That's what it really comes down to, to me. You got to build that culture of safety, that culture of people can come tell you, Exactly how they're thinking and feeling without repercussion. That people need to feel that that comfortableness with you as as the leader, because if they know that they're gonna if you're gonna come talk they're gonna come talk to you and you're gonna rain on them, they will never come talk to you again. Never. Right. So it's about trust. They need to be they need to be able to trust you that you are going to actually listen to them and take it seriously.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. One of the things Sinek said, and he's coming at it from the employee standpoint, not from the leader's standpoint, but he was encouraging employees to maintain empathy and some level of curiosity and then work hard to spend time to build the relationship with that person that's in the authority position. And I'm thinking we're leaders, we're the person in the authority position. Why don't we work hard to gain
3: empathy
2: and curiosity? So Sam, add something to that.
3: I think it's a great example of a two-way street because the leader should be empathetic. They should be open to the conversation. They should be vulnerable, but it's really hard to build a relationship with somebody who's not willing to do the same themselves, no matter where they live on the old chart. So as somebody who would report to somebody else, being able to appreciate the leader's got a lot of things cooking that we don't get to see and just assume that start there and they're not making decisions because they're mean hopefully but you want to learn more you would be more curious you want to engage in that conversation so it's not why in the world did you people decide this but rather that must be a tough decision how did you get to that answer so it's showing a little bit of empathy and asking the question at the same time and those are things i've done for a long time was assume that the people who look who we report to have our interests in mind, directly or indirectly. So start with that assumption, then go into what we can learn from it. And I've found a great opportunity to build relationships, just showing that I'm going to assume we're in good shape unless you tell me otherwise, in which case we'll have that conversation when we get there.
2: Yeah, that's good yeah. stuff. Myra, I know uh, in your history in, in real estate and leading teams of people and even being responsible for big properties that had lots of people in them. I bet you've experienced some of this.
4: Oh, yes. More probably than I've made some of my biggest mistakes on this, which drove me, by the way, to reading The Seven Habits. So Uh. imagine that. I like Dr. Covey. But (laughs) it even more pointedly brings me to his habit number five, is seek first to understand then be understood. Okay, so stay curious, like you guys were talking about. Stay curious what's going on in their life or in their situation. Don't just listen to to react, but listen to, to, to understand. And that, but when they come to you, hopefully you have a culture that is mutual respect and there's boundaries because without those, it can get chaotic. It can get chaotic. But if you will listen first to understand and then be understood, it's a win-win situation. I can't tell you the amount of times that I jumped in with both feet, regretted it immensely, and learned Dunning Kruger. Anybody say Dunning Kruger? (laughs) (laughs) Or is that just emotional immaturity? Probably a lot of both. But if you will if you have to look at it clinically. When somebody is, has this concern and it sounds personal, be curious. Ask them, where's that coming from? Tell me a little bit more. And they will feel heard. They will feel heard. And just as leaders, that's our responsibility to hear the people that are there. And that gives them the courage. I think this person cares about what I have to say, cares about me and it gives them the courage to speak their truth. And then there has to be boundaries about everybody's truth is in a cultural culture. So how do we work it so so that your truth is is respected and you respect the next person. It this could go really deep, but that's really all on an overall broad is seek first to understand, but don't forget the other side. And then be understood because it has to be a win-win situation.
2: Yeah, it's that's really good. And that's continuing Sam's theme about the two-way street. So Geoff, how do you how do you do this? I know you've done a lot of work in primary education and stuff. How do you get the teachers and the administrators that are responsible for these young minds and then get the young minds? right? Because there's the power differential, right? The student mm-hmm. and the teacher to get the young minds to understand what we've just been talking about. Because to Myra's point, that, yeah, this is a very deep subject.
1: Yeah. I think Myra hit the nail on the head with that staying in curiosity. And so and I've been a speaker for a long time. And if you're the sage on the stage, people assume you have all the answers, but being open and up front and honest and saying, hey, these are my experiences and this is what I've seen but I'm absolutely open to somebody else's perspective and being open to outcome and really having a conversation with with groups. And I've worked with a lot of educators. I've worked with a lot of students, corporations, businesses, colleges, that if you can stay in that curiosity and say, yeah, I'm the guy that you brought in to, to speak, to address these issues. And at the same time, I don't have all the answers because things are constantly changing. And I want to know... Because if we're all on the same page, if there's, this is one of the things that we just did recently was, here's these new terms that this school is using, this college is using, and we want to make sure everybody knows what those terms mean. Where are you on this continuum? Where are you in this whole world of, here's these terms that people are using nowadays, and we're trying to incorporate them into the university so people feel included and welcomed. How do we do that if we've all got different definitions? And so just helping people to get on the same page of what does this actually mean versus what do we think it means and because of the things that we've seen on news and conversations and social media. So I think really being open to having those conversations and saying, I don't have all the answers. These are just my experiences. And this is where maybe I have some biases and and I understand that because of where i grew up and the people i grew up to and how i my all these different things that make a human being a human being seek first to understand and then be understood myra hit it actually out of the park on that that's a dr covey
4: <laughs> that's Dr well, Covey i just gave you credit but, for
1: it. Well, thank you <laughs> but, but you would know, up on, on the same same level there on
4: the back on on the back of what you just said if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room it exactly you know,
1: yeah yeah, um, I don't want to no. be the smartest person in the room. No, nope.
4: I don't. I don't either. The word trust is rattling around in
2: my brain now. to To get this, seek first to understand, and all that. We have to build as leaders. We're are we responsible to first kind of build trusting relationships
0: with those people that we're leading. That's step one. I mean, you got to in order to build the team. You got to build trust amongst each other. Otherwise, it's a very divisive team. So to build trust means do what you say you're going to do. Support the people when they need to be supported. Delegate, true delegation. Tell them what needs to be done by when, and we'll check on you once a week and see how you're doing. It all builds trust. Does it happen overnight? Nope. No. It's like turning an aircraft carrier on a dime. It
1: just doesn't happen. Can I throw a booger in the punch bowl? Please, please. Okay. Sounds fabulous. So, I know. Another booger in the punch <laughs> I'm just curious, what happens when you're in an organization that's really large? You can get to know everybody in a day pretty quick. I can get to know people. I can go 50 to 100 people. I can get to know them in a day. And then over the course of a month, I can get to know them pretty well. But if I'm in an organization where there's a thousand or 10,000 people, how do you develop that? What things do you put in the, you know, that culture that allows that many people to feel heard, to feel respected, to give that truth to power or that power to truth?
2: Yeah. How, that, how do you do that? Great, that's a great question, Gia. And I think it depends. We might have to caveat a little bit here. Are you the leader, the president and CEO of this thousand person company, Conroy? Yes, sir.
0: No, if we're going to drop author's names, you know, friend of the show, Lee Cockrell, Lee's retired vice president of Walt Disney World. And I've had the conversation with him numerous times of how do you get 75,000 cast members to go in the same direction when I can't get my three kids to clean their room, (laughs) right? (laughs) And he said, it starts at the top and it's the trickle down. It's you create a culture, you create a philosophy, you create a vision and clarity in the communication to them trickles down to the different levels it takes it happens over time lee was instrumental in the disney institute and the leadership the disney leadership strategies which he turned into his book creating magic yeah, um yeah, it's it book. to break it down into you need to have clarity of vision and communicate it with such clarity that people get excited about it and buy into it yeah. and it's it's top down like Lee said i would talk the same way i would talk to my lieutenants as I would to the custodians. Everyone's the same. And you got to c- communicate that with extreme clarity. Like you're, I said, Lee, Lee can get 75,000 people to do one thing. I can't even get my kids to clean their damn room. So
2: yeah, <laughs> currently I wasn't clear enough. That's why you're not working for Disney. Yeah, that's um, why I'm not working for <laughs>
0: Disney. Um, yet.
2: yet. You've, you've been reading my notes. Yeah, what I was starting to say there is you're the leader of, let's use Cockrell as an example. You have 75,000 people or whatever under that you're responsible for, and you're creating this kind of culture. And there's obviously, as Conroy just described, lieutenants and managers and those things down, downstream from Lee. And so Lee's trying to create, or you as a leader, trying to create this overarching culture. And what you want also then is these micro-cultures that get created down the organizational chart to mimic the overall culture. You don't want the micro-culture in given departments to be significantly different than what you're trying to create overall. And you do that with the trust and the empathy and the seek first to understand and those things that we've been talking about so far. And sometimes it's really just as easy. If you don't know how to create that culture, try doing this. Try asking your folks simple things like, hey, are you okay? Or hey, you seemed harsh or you seemed out of touch at our meeting today. I just wanted to check in with you. Is everything okay, right? We're trying to create this environment where we treat each other like human beings instead of we're treating each other like oppressors and those being oppressed. Right, We're together. We're a team. It's back to what we should have stopped, maybe, Sam, right at the top when you said, hey, baby, this is a two-way street. Why don't you just be nice to each other and go from there? right?" Then there's this free exchange of ideas and thoughts, and we don't have to be courageous and stand up and speak the truth to power, right? But we need to become ourselves and see our teammates as trusted people, and they need to see us as trusting so that it's trusted and Trusting, and when that happens, I to be amazed because people are going to open up, and we're going to learn a lot about each other, and our relationships are going to deepen, and our company is going to exceed all of its goals. That's just the way it works. Yeah. So, yeah, I know we're about out of time.
4: Let's go around the horn quick. Myra, you got any par- parting thoughts? I really don't. That I just keep going back to Doctor Covey because I believe so much in his his system, and but this. That was one of the first ones I learned was seek first to understand. Yeah. And that was, that's awful hard to do. So, and you have to practice it. it? You got to practice responding rather than reacting.
2: Oh, there you go. That's good.
3: Dr. Sam? Two quick things. Thing one is trying to create a culture and a leader of a large organization. I saw this with the president of the university where I got my doctor doc degree. He had basically an open question session. And anybody in the room of, Several hundred could ask any question they wanted. He took it. it. didn't matter what the question was, right there in front of everybody. So I asked the question about how do you have a consistent academic program and honor academic freedom, which is the idea that faculty get to teach what they want to teach, how they want to do it. He said, too many people confuse academic freedom with academic arrogance, and we're going to have a quality program. And so he was authentic and genuine, and I wasn't a plant. It wasn't some question he prepared for. He just answered it right there in front of everybody. That's perfect. Given the cultural baseline that we're going to tell the truth here. And it may be an uncomfortable truth, but that's what we're going to share. And then the other small bit, it's become newly popular thanks to Ted Lasso. But the phrase, be curious, not judgmental, they attribute it to all not, but it wasn't him who wrote it. But that's how we have this relationship. Continue the curiosity. Once we stop and say, you people, now we're in judgment mode. And there's no great way to have a good conversation when you think somebody else has done wrong. You've decided for them that their reasoning wasn't any good.
0: Oh man, that's good stuff right there. Conroy, be patient. If you're going to build a quality culture, it takes time. Don't force it. They will know your team will know you're forcing it. Be patient, be sincere, be authentic.
2: Oh, there you go. Man, this is gold, people,
1: gold and clean it back and clean up today. Geoff, what do you got, man? (laughs) Wow. I don't know if I can add too much, but I'm going to say this too shall pass. No matter what the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. It's, it's a moment in time. Give it a chance and see where things go. And if you're doing those things that everybody else has said and being a good person and assuming the best in other people's and staying curious and creating relationships, honestly, I don't think you can go wrong. There may, and if it does, guess what? It'll pass. It'll
3: pass. It may pass like a kidney stone, but it'll, but it'll pass.
1: But it will pass.
2: <laughs> 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 Man, that's leadership gold you guys are laying down here today. Thank <laughs> you very much. And for all of you listening, I know some of this resonated with you. It can't not. And the one thing to implement what you're learning, it's one thing to learn it. We're not after head pack here. We want it implemented in your organization so you guys can be as successful as, as you can be. And, and we would love to help you out. You can reach us on any of our social media channels, or you can do old school email at askus at co And we'd love to help. That's why we're here. It's what we spent our lives doing. It's what we, our experience has honed us to be a little bit better. And we're looking to get better every single day. So we'd love to help you. So with that, we'll see you next week on the No More Leadership BS podcast. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Ciao, bye.
1: Baby. bye bye. Ciao, We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. And last but not least, don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much and tune in next time. We'll see
0: you then.